This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, Harbor family, good morning and welcome to Harbor at Home. So honored to be able to be with you wherever you may be at the moment as you're gathering with your family, with friends, maybe your neighbors in this region of South Florida and beyond. And so welcome this morning. I'm excited to kick off our fall Harbor at Home series as we move from September through October into November and celebrate what's going on uh, in the region of South Florida. It's, it's, it's incredible what's taking place among all of the churches and ministries in this community. And we are going to be doing, in the month of November, as we have been for the last several years, Love South Florida, and really getting outside of the four walls of the buildings that we use as tools to equip the saints in the, in the ministry and uh, and really making an impact in our region. And, and there's going to be a collective sermon series that I think over 500 churches in Broward County alone, but it's going to be a tri-county reality, are going to be preaching on the topic of undivided as we think about, you know, prayer uh, and the, the unity of, of the church in this moment that's so key and so needed. So, Honored to be here with you this morning as we kick off our own series in this direction as well around the unity of the believers. So I'm going to be talking about the 99. You know, remember Jesus, you know, you know, referenced the 99 and actually leaving those to find the one. So we're going to get some understanding along the lines of those scriptures here as we progress this morning, but want to kick off with some questions, because I think all of us would agree that there's something profound happening right now, not only in our nation, but around the world that I believe is maybe one of the most divine moments in human history as it relates to the harvest. And the harvest is uh, is is upon us. It's it's always been a reality since the time of Jesus. He referenced the harvest often, but I believe right now is maybe a unique time like we've never seen. I know at least in my lifetime, been feeling that recently, just the excitement inside of my heart as it relates to the harvest that is upon us. And so we're going to be looking at those concepts. And so as you ponder like what's going on right now in our culture, in our world. Here's what I want to ask you, and then we'll come back to these questions at the end. What do you, and I'm talking about you individually, you know, you guys can have your conversation and discussion here at Harbor at Home, but I want you to think about this individually. What do you see as the biggest need in humanity right now? Like if you're looking around at all that's going on, all the dynamics, and I think we'd all agree there's been division at large in our culture, whether it's politically, socially, um, you know, demographically, uh, age-wise. I mean, there's there's just division really around every corner. So what do you see as the biggest need in humanity right now to actually, uh, bring people together. 
And then secondly, in what way do you see yourself being able to help meet that need? I think there's something specific on the inside of you and the way that God's made you, the way that you think, your giftings, your wirings, that have given you a specific assignment in the need right now that's in the world that you see. And lastly, what is the one thing you're going to do tomorrow, starting tomorrow, we're not going to wait, to actually move in that direction because the harvest is now. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to read a, a section of verses out of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4 through 10, say a few things, and then we're going to be finished this morning. But I want to open up with this uh, portion of scripture because I think it's going to, it's going to set the stage for, for really our assignment as individuals and our collective assignment known as the body of Christ. Look what he says, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4 through 10. We're just going to read that this morning. Here's what he says. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So there was this separation, if you will, of of at least your actions, not necessarily the relationships of people that you knew and grew up with or hung out with before, but definitely a separation in how you were doing life before Jesus and how you were doing life after. I remember it myself like it was yesterday. And it says, so they slander you. And they don't know how to respond. In fact, verse five, he says, but remember, they will have a face-to-face with God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. Verse six, he says, that is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. So here's an example of the 99 and the 1. It's, it's, hey, a reminder of what happened to you. And even though you felt a disconnection from the people that you once called friends, there's this calling and purpose on your life to preach the gospel to them, to share with them the good news. Now, here's the ironic thing, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I remember when I came to Christ in college, you know, my university, I think, was almost 60,000 students where I attended at the time. And there was a very small percentage of people at the time that were coming to know Jesus. And to be honest, not even a, a, a large populace of those that had come to know Jesus and were beginning to assemble together in some type of community on the campus. And I just, I just remember thinking uh, about that season in my life, and I, I had this understanding on the inside of me that, that really set the stage for how I was going to live my life as, as a believer. And it was this. I had this thought, Lord, out of all of these thousands of people, you could have chose anybody but you chose me. And for whatever reason, in your sovereign plan, you enabled me by your grace to understand the gospel, to receive it, and allow that transformative seed of your word to begin to take residence in my heart. And so I felt this responsibility in a healthy way to be a light to the world around me. The writer here, Peter, 
verse 7, he says, the end of the world, or actually a better translation is, the desired aim of the Father is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. There's that intimacy piece, right? That place of connection, conversation with God, mostly him conversing with you and then you coming into agreement with what he's saying. But here's the kicker, verse 8. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For the love covers a multitude of sins. He's talking to the body. So we're not to be divided in our mission. We're not to be divided in our relationships. We're to be covering even stuff that may be off in our fellow brother and sister in Christ in an effort to unify with one another for the sake of the harvest. You gotta catch this. There's already division in our culture, but when the enemy tries to bring the division into the church, and I'm not talking about some building or some denomination or some religious system, I'm talking about into the living stones, those who have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. That's when we know he's getting nervous. Because if he is so shaken that even what's happening in culture, which is pretty rough right now, I think we'd all agree, there's a lot of, a lot of things going on in our culture, a lot of brokenness, a lot of oppression, a lot of injustice, a lot, a lot of a lot of things, right? But if that's not, you know, satisfying his appetite in the divisive space, and he has to try to bring this into the body, there's a reason why, because he knows that the harvest is at hand. So we're to love each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Isn't that profound? The blood of Jesus breaks the power of sin, but love covers. It's amazing. But look what he says in verse nine. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. So there's this opening of the home, the the intimate place, if you will. You know, I love, again, facilities and arenas and stadiums, and we're gonna see those things filled. Listen to me, we're gonna see those things filled. But the place of gathering in homes is upon us again. In, in a massive way, because there's something about reunifying and connecting relationally that takes place in a smaller setting, especially around tables, meals, than any place else. Here's how he ends. For God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. In the body and in the world. So here's where we're going to go today. Remember when Jesus was doing his ministry, exciting things were happening, people were getting healed, people were getting delivered from affliction, set free, um, you know, all kinds of things were breaking out as, as, as Christ and his followers were making his way through the land. But in the midst of all this excitement and the multitudes that were around him in any given day, in any given ministry setting, if you will. Do you remember he said this one thing? He said to his disciples, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now that's very interesting to me because here thousands of people were around Jesus even when he made that statement as, as the, the spread of this gospel went out all over the earth. So there was something to this 
statement, but even more, something, uh, uh, even more profound than the statement to the prayer that Jesus asked his disciples to join into. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up laborers. In other words, he would have these ones that were gripped by the reality that for whatever reason, they have been chosen to have an understanding of the gospel, to have the eternal seed of the word of the Lord in their heart. Why? So they can go to another revival meeting? So they can sit in a thousand more prayer sessions or have another 400 church services? No, it was, it was, this was given to them so that ultimately in the midst of all of those beautiful things that I was just mentioning, gatherings where the spirit of God is being poured out and the word of God is being taught and people are being equipped in, 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 in the word of the Lord and prayer meetings are happening, all that kind of stuff. As, as all of that is shaping us and maturing us and unifying us to become more aware of the knowledge of God's son, there's a positioning in the heart that's like, man, this is like a fire shut up in my bones. I can't keep this on the inside anymore. There's some way, God, that you've uniquely made me. And there's an assignment that I have out of all of the billions of people living in this world to be the light to the rest of the globe, starting right in my backyard, in my neighborhood, with my family, with relationships at work, wherever it may be. And this all comes down to identity. Because when Jesus was saying that the workers were few, he wasn't talking about number. He was talking about, it's actually um, a Greek word that literally means they didn't know who they, they don't know who they are. All these people were following Jesus and it was all about the needs that they had in your li- their lives. And I think that there's, there's a time where we have to, have to come you know, into these spaces where those broken parts of our, of our lives are, are filled up. But at some point, we've got to pour out. They didn't have, actually even know that that was their assignment. They didn't know that they had been specifically chosen for a purpose, you look at Gideon's army, man. Here, here was 300 people that had destiny on their lives to change a nation. There's something stirring so deep and profound on the inside of me that I'm waking up to the purpose by which God actually planted me on the, on the earth. And I want to say this, like going back to some of those early days, you know, after my conversion experience at the age of 20, you know, I started to, to exercise the reality that we're talking about today in the world all around me. And this was as a student athlete. Eventually, it was as a marketplace leader. And this went on for years and years and years. I never, I never had plans at all to be in some type of vocational ministry position. I mean, that was just something that God showed me later that, hey, this is part of your assignment as well. But I was living out the very thing that I'm preaching to you today for a decade plus outside of any ministry context and this is this is what god is up to right now he's rooting us back into the identity of our assignment to be laborers in god's harvest time because it's upon us and there's moments in human history where windows open and if a generation doesn't respond okay god will choose another generation 
And this is our hour. This is our moment. The harvest is plentiful for the workers, but the workers are few. They don't know who they are yet. So I believe, just as we wrap this up, I believe one of the things that God is doing is he's bringing an awakening in the church first. If, if you, I've been saying this this whole entire time during this whole COVID thing. It's, 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 it's not about the, the, the pandemic at the end of the day. We need to lean into what is God doing on the inside of us to touch those deep places of our hearts, get rid of everything that can be shaken and will be shaken so that we're holding on to the things that will never be shaken from our lives and that are eternal and forever. I was reading a tweet the other day that said leaders aren't born, they're cornered. And sometimes we, as the church, are being cornered for that beautiful fragrance to actually come out in the midst of the, oh, the crushing in the moment because we don't like change. We don't like to be disrupted from our routines. We get into, you know, um, just kind of spiritual, kind of going through the motions kind of times. And then in these shakings, when things that we thought were important, it's all being disrupted so God can like get our attention. Did you know that we're, since we live in South Florida, I'll end with this, this, this illustration, we have yacht clubs everywhere. And what are yacht clubs? They're places with fancy restaurants, big couches, lounges, bars, you name it, uh, for people to just hang out, be together, fellowship, have community. But did you know that yacht clubs were initially rescue societies for people on the waters who were in trouble? That's what the initial yacht club was. And then as popularity grew and people started to come into this beautiful, you know, uh, mission to help people who were in trouble, they started hanging out, having some food, having a few drinks together. Next thing you know, hey, we don't really need to help anybody anymore. Let's just kind of hang out. Community is a beautiful thing. But being disciples is the foundation from which community should flow. So as we conclude, I want to go back to my questions. Because this is where we're heading. We are going to be unified, hear me, in mission as a house. Foundationally. Like we are unified in mission. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Jesus said, my purpose, the reason I was born was to seek and save that which was lost. He was a part of the 99 that was going to go and reach the one. Who's our one? It's a person who doesn't know who they are. They don't, they don't know that God is a good father and that he's, he's intimately close and, and acquainted and wants to be acquainted with them through his son and that you have a profound destiny and purpose for your life. Those, those, anybody that fits in those categories is the one that we're going after. So what's the biggest need? Question number one, I want you guys to have a conversation in your, in your harbor at home gathering right now. What is the biggest need you see in human history, right, in humanity right now? You know, there may be different answers to those questions, and that's okay. Um, 
usually the thing that's burning on your heart or the thing that you see that, that, you, that can't escape your attention is, has something to do with your assignment. Number two, in what way do you see yourself being able to meet that need? What specific ways? We read in the scriptures this morning. Has God given you what specific thing is on the inside of you to actually meet that need? And lastly, what tomorrow are you going to start to do about that to move in that direction? We're not doing programmatic outreach here at the harbor. We're raising up an army. 99s that are going to go reach the one. It'll be a billion soul harvest that we're going to see in this time in human history. Father, would you come and do something more profound than we could ever even think, ask, or imagine. Let us be unified in this beautiful mission and assignment to see the world experience the glory of God. We're in awe that you've picked us, that you've chosen us, that for whatever reason we've been selected to to be the bearers of this good news. Would you bring us into that today? In Jesus' name. Have a great conversation in your groups. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.